Welcome to the Unbound Podcast with Liam Gray. Whether you are an insurtech enthusiast, traditional insurer, or just looking to understand how innovation will affect the insurance market, the Unbound Podcast is for you. From insurtech founders to leaders within some of the world's most forward-thinking insurers, each episode looks at the technologies and business models that are changing the future of insurance. Today I have the pleasure of welcoming back Dan White from 90. Some of you will remember Dan from our conversation around Innovation Labs earlier this year. In this episode, we stick to the theme of innovation, but we focus on the different types of innovation models insurers are currently using and the impact that they are having. Hi Dan, and welcome back to the Unbound podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show. We had a really good conversation on Innovation Labs in the last um, podcast episode, and you gave us a great background on 90 and your well, own past as well. So for those who didn't get the opportunity to actually listen to that podcast, could you give us a little bit of your background and tell us a little bit more about 90? Sure. 90 is an innovation consultancy specializing in the insurance sector. Um, fundamentally, we take new insurance ideas to markets. We do that in 60 days using a proprietary methodology that uses a combination of design thinking and lean startup techniques. Um, we're also in the business of helping insurers to learn how to innovate and, and to build uh, capabilities um, and processes around that. Now, I'm the senior partner here, so I look after methodology and client relationships and the quality of the execution. We're working with brands like Zurich, Allianz, uh, Hiscox, Swiss Re, RSA and Direct Line. Fantastic. And unsurprisingly, today's conversation is going to be centered around innovation again. Um, but this time we're going to talk about innovation models. We know that different organizations approach innovation in very different ways and they have varying levels of success. You've actually looked at this obviously through your work and you've classified these different approaches to innovation. Could you provide some details on what those actually are? When we look across the insurance sector at what's happening, the different approaches people are taking to innovation, uh, very broadly we see that, um, that there are three models that kind of fall out of this. And most organizations or most um, d- divisions within an insurance business um, can be attributed to one of these three models. Um, so model A we call the altogether innovator, model B we call the arm's length innovator, and model C we call the armchair innovator. And I'll, I'll just unpack those a, a fraction. So model A, the, the altogether innovator, these are businesses which are fundamentally very committed to, uh, to innovation. Uh, typically as an executive, le- executive level, they commit to fostering a culture of innovation, to becoming a company full of entrepreneurs. These, these uh, Model A altogether innovators probably have an innovation team or a head of innovation, but the aspiration is really to let all employees innovate. Um, the, the, the aspiration is that business will evolve into one where great ideas spontaneously bubble up and are taken through lean startup uh, processes towards eventual pilot and scale. Um, model B is the arm's length innovator, and uh, this is a model which will be, I think, familiar to many of your listeners. This is where a business decides that in order to to innovate, it needs to free up its innovation function from the red tape, the legacy data, the legacy culture, the regulatory burden, and give it some greenfield space in which it can operate. Um, So typically there's a a great show of gusto, a new office space gets rented in a a very high creativity, in short tech rich and startup buzzy part of the world. You get a whole bunch of millennials in jeans um, brought in, 
the, uh, the ubiquitous ping pong table and beer fridge uh, are put in place and a whole bunch of new tools, techniques and methods are deployed. It's, it's the kind of world of Trello, of Slack, of WhatsApp, it's the, the world of collaboration with customers and then short tech of sprints and story points. And the, the third model is, the, is Model C, which we call the Armchair Innovator. Now these are the businesses that um, fundamentally set up a venturing arm model. Um, where they allocate a war chest, they set that aside and they spend it through a scouting and investment function on a series of, of equity uh, takes in innovative insurtech startups. These uh, armchair innovators are, are usually associated with various insurtech accelerators and they spend their money not on innovating for themselves but on accessing a set of innovators. So what exactly are the pros and cons of each of these models then? Um, model A, the, the altogether innovator, we think that this is the model that every insurer should aspire to. Vanishingly few examples to be fair of this, but where, where this exists well, you have a large base of employees um, coached, facilitated and catalyzed to take the problems that they see at the coalface of their businesses with the customers that they're dealing with and to ideate, to experiment, to, to deal with assumptions um, and to take new ideas through to, to pilot and eventually to scale. That's a, that's a powerful um, outcome. The, the issues with uh, Model A, the, the altogether innovator, is that it's quite difficult to turn this aspiration into reality. The, the monolithic corporate culture um, is a, a barrier to progress, it becomes a block on risk-taking, on fail-fast innovation, the sorts of projects that people want to be executing are often viewed as expensive distractions from core business. Um, and so a lot of people actually then, as a result of those challenges, flip to Model B and they become the arm's length innovator. And, and these, are fa these are fantastic, the, the sheer creativity is huge, the ideas are big, the innovators are unfettered. And the results are initially pretty impressive, so some very powerful new prototypes and great demonstrators that anticipate a, a very different sort of future. And, um, and classically, um, they will always involve uh, the ubiquitous Alexa skill. Um, but the, despite the, that apparent success, the old school main organization, um, which uh, remains in inverted commas full of dinosaurs, um, struggle to, to adapt to what's happening within this arm's length innovation function and ultimately fails to take on their ideas and, and, and scale them. Um, and so a couple of things happen. One, the, uh, the innovators in those labs bang their heads against walls, can't get their ideas to market, um, the ROI is never fulfilled. At the same time, there's a, there's a, there's a the generation of a resentment between the, the arm's length innovators and, and the mainstream organization that set them up in the first place. And some of that is, uh, being frank, it is down to some of the cultural differences that are espoused by these, by these groups. Um, we're actually quite big fans of, of keeping the innovation function within an organization close and within the main organization. We're fans of keeping them dressed in the same way. So if people wear suits, the innovators we think should wear suits. Um, and, and not introducing some of the, the agency style um, landscape that, uh, uh, that the, the creatives love, but which creates a, a cultural barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the armchair innovator then is, is the natural kind of segue from that position. 
and um, and we love what these guys do. It's great to engage with the insurtech community to um, to become much closer to the startup world. There is a bit of a hint of clinging onto the coattails of those who are better able to innovate, uh, and our sense is that the um, this is an expensive way of not really changing the culture of the organization. Um, so it's not a bad thing to do, but it's not fundamentally the answer. Um, it should be part of the answer, not the, not the totality of the answer. So if these models don't work, what do insurers that are trying to innovate turn to? What can they do if these ones don't work? You get to what we call the failure model, which is kind of a hidden fourth element, really, to, to this um, this kind of uh, this mental framework, which is what we call Model D, the angsty innovator. So this is the, the kind of fallout position, really, and it's a, it's a a model which is taken not by the insurer themselves, but by the the individuals, the catalysts, the pioneers, the, the innovators within those organisations, who fundamentally, having tried to to build a culture of innovation under Model A. And, and struggled and failed, have moved to Model B, have become an arm's length innovator, um, and have gone through that, that process of shiny new hope followed by decline, have moved potentially into some armchair innovator function where they're identifying startups and taking equity positions. But fundamentally, they, they, their ambition to change insurance has not been fulfilled within the incumbent insurer. So we call these the angsty innovators. It's a tongue-in-cheek term. Um, and it's applied not to the insurer, as I say, but to the key individuals. Um, so these are, these are the folk who fundamentally end up leaving the incumbents and setting up new startups. Okay, and are there examples of companies that have actually come from people leaving these insurers and yeah. starting these new startups? There are, there are. Um, maybe there should be more, but um, there are a handful that I can think of immediately. Um, Matt Pohl at Neos in the smart home space, tried to build that model within RSA, went through the models I've described, ended up in, in our Model D, and doing very well. Um, Risk, Darius Kamana, who was at Markel, now at Risk, um, that's going great guns. Another example of someone who tried to do something and it moved through the cycle. Um, and uh, do you know what, we applaud these guys, right? They're doing, they're doing something strong, they're doing something good, they're, they're uh, chasing their passion, they're fulfilling their dream. What they're doing will challenge and change the insurance sector, um, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. And this is obviously going to be quite a difficult question, but of all of the models that you mentioned above, which works best? It's probably a combination, but which is closest to the best model? We think that the, the, the right ultimate uh, model to aspire to is, is Model A, the altogether innovator. This is the model where the, the culture is most definitively changed, where the widest possible number of employees are equipped, coached, trained, and empowered to innovate, and where the innovation moves from a from a, a small, isolated group of individuals out to the cold face of the organization. So we do see this as, as the optimum model. It is also the hardest model to make work. Um, and. Uh, and despite it being the hardest model, we, we, we would challenge, we challenge our clients, we challenge the insurance sector to throw their all behind moving towards that model. And, and the techniques, the methodologies that we put in place with them are designed to move them towards that model A. Okay. And are there any examples of those companies that have moved quite close to 
that modulate and doing it well? There are, there are a, a small handful and what I would say is that it tends to be, um, the examples I can point to tend to be relatively nascent, so fairly early days, with, with you know, some, some, some ground yet to cover to properly prove this. And they also tend to be relatively um, contained within a particular division or territory within a larger organization. So um, two examples I can offer you, one would be ING over on the continent, um, some of what they've built um, in, in the adopting of some of the Spotify type um, approaches to change and innovation um, we think is quite impressive. Um, the other example would be Zurich in the UK and what they're doing with the Innovation Foundry and the, the application of some of the, some of the effectively they're, they're looking at these, this kind of a, models A, B, C and D and saying right we want to avoid having to move to B and C. We can dabble with some of that stuff but we're going to build our lab so that it is very firmly driving towards a Model A outcome. Absolutely. And would you say that this is an exhaustive list or are new models being created all of the time? These, these three or four models here, I would say that they're, they're broad enough as definitions that they would, um, they would catch um, the vast majority of what's going on. There are probably uh, edge cases that don't necessarily fit neatly into this. So brands like Oscar and Lemonade out in the States, it's difficult to, to put them into one of these boxes. Right? But um, those are um, uh, powerful new startups who haven't gone through the angsty innovator route. Right? Um, but in the incumbent space, which is where, frankly, the book size and, and, and the risk um, capacity sits, um, no, I think that models A, B, and C really um, capture the vast majority of the market. Okay. And at present, where do you feel most insurers in the market actually sit? I think they sit um, predominantly in model, models B and C. So the arm's length innovator with, with these sort of slightly near short um, labs um, and or the, the arm's length, uh, sorry, the, the armchair innovator, the, the kind of venturing VC type um, model. Most of the larger players are, are, are playing somewhere between B and C or a bit, a bit of B and a bit of C. And with respect to these innovation models, uh, do you have any final thoughts around it? Anything worth mentioning that listeners should hear? I think the, the main thing that I would leave as a final challenge to listeners is uh, a challenge to, to fight the good fight here. Um, some would say that if the, the, the large um, scaled incumbent carriers can't find a way of making Model A work, then it's only right that the angsty innovators should fall out and build a new generation of carriers. And I get that, but society, the economy, stable government, stable personal lives are fundamentally underpinned at scale by the large incumbent carriers. And so w what we're fighting for at 90 is to help those guys to change, to thrive, to innovate. And so we believe that um, there's, there's power and there's social good in helping the large-scaled insurance carriers to learn to become Model A businesses. Absolutely. And talking about social good, 90 does a little bit of social good of its own. Could you finally let the listeners know a little bit about that? Sure, I'd love to. We're, um, 90 is a, a social enterprise, a business with a 
a, a social impact at its heart. Our model for delivering that is to generate profit through what we do in the insurance sector and then to redistribute that profit. So 90% of our profits, hence the, uh, hence the name of the business, are redistributed out the back to a foundation from which they are um, distributed to causes that help, particularly people in extreme poverty in developing countries, to handle the risk that is um, incumbent in, in their lives. So the, the, the risk of, um, of sickness, the risk of a lack of education, the risk of lack of access to, to employment. Um, and so uh, we're, we're, we love being able to work in the insurance sector dealing with the risk industry and then to be able to redistribute the profits from that to help people in, in frankly often desperate situations deal with the risk in their lives. Um, so yeah, that's something we, we particularly enjoy doing we, and we, we enjoy being able to have um, some of the clients I've mentioned take part in the selection of those charity partners once a year. Incredible, that's a great initiative. And finally, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, Dan, or the 90 team, how do they do that? Best way would be to reach out on email uh, to me at dan at 90.com or on any of our social media channels. Fantastic, it's been a pleasure speaking with you again, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. So which innovation model does your business use today? And more importantly, which model are you trying to work towards? As Dan mentioned, most insurers seem to be dealing with innovation from a distance, with only a select few effectively adopting Model A, where innovation is a true part of the business. Hopefully, as an industry, we will soon get to a position where many organisations are using effective innovation models, and we have less angsty innovators as a result. Finally, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and leave comments. We really want to reach as many people as possible with what's happening in the insurance industry and there are no greater advocates than you, our listeners.